Hello, and welcome to the Pet Owners Podcast. My name is Trisha Curtis, and I will be your host for this podcast and many others to follow. If you don't know me, I'm president and co-founder of Pet Owners. We are an oil and gas boutique consulting and advisory shop in Denver. Today, we're going to be speaking about Proposition 112, and I'm going to reference um, some things on, on Twitter and LinkedIn. So hit me up on LinkedIn. You can check out the links and look at these maps. Also, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Trisha J. Coffee. I'm going to retweet this podcast as well as uh, or put out some retweets um, from some some other maps and links. Colorado's Proposition 112. This is the formerly Initiative 97. Now it's an actual ballot measure called Proposition 112. It is stated as an increased setback requirement for oil and natural gas development. This is in the blue book and this will be on, this is up for election on November 6th in the state of Colorado. This obviously has um, wide ranging impacts from a, from a revenue standpoint, from a production standpoint, and from all new oil and gas, acti- from a development standpoint of, of new oil and gas activity. Whether or not you're in the state of Colorado or you're just interested in oil and gas development in general um, or or anything impacting oil and gas development, this has wide-ranging repercussions um, that a lot of people might not realize. And today we're going to discuss what how the ballot measure is actually stated and discussed within the Blue Book, um, as well as um, some of the fiscal impact statements that I've looked through and just the, the figures and facts about Colorado oil and gas production and development. Okay, so as I mentioned, this was formerly Initiative 97. So basically this initiative um, to increase the setback requirement in the state of Colorado from 500 feet and 1,000 feet um, to 2,500 feet. So it's it's 500 feet and 1,000 feet for different locations right now. Um, and this measure is to increase it to 2,500 feet. Um, and it's stated as an increased setback. This was a, a Initiative 97. It received enough signatures to actually make it to the ballot. Um, this happened in August. Um, and then we find found out that the signatures were uh, validated enough of the sample size was validated. So it, it made it on onto the ballot. And now it is obviously up for election. Um, and there's a lot going on here with this um, and this in that if you read how it's stated within the book um, you'll understand and I encourage everyone to just read through the measure and, and make your opinion um, but I'm obviously going to give you mine within this podcast and um, as you know I am a I'm, I do a lot of research I look at the facts and that's what I'm going to present to you here today I'm obviously opinionated and I'm going to give you my opinion on this measure um, but and I'm not afraid to shy away from that controversy I just think it's important to really think about this seriously before you go ahead and vote on it. Okay, so those um, the ballot pamphlets or the the voting pamphlets that people are already starting to receive them in the mail, um, and so people are actually in the in the in the process of voting right now. Now the blue book you probably received in the mail if you're in the state of Colorado, but if you're not and you're interested in this and you should totally look at it whether or not you've lost it, you can Google it. It's it's let leg.colorado.gov slash blue book. If you just Google Colorado ballot blue book, this will pop up. So essentially how this is stated within the blue book is it, it explains the existing setback requirements. So basically it says that the current COGCC regulations approved in 2013 prohibit oil oil and natural gas wells and production facilities from being located closer than, so this is the existing requirements, 500 feet from a home or occupied building and 1,000 feet from a high ocu- from high occupancy buildings such as schools, healthcare institutions, um, correctional facilities, and child care centers, as well as neighborhoods with at least 22 buildings. Okay, so that's how it's basically, that, that's what the setback measure is right now. Okay, and they give these 
um, some acreage figures. And I think that's important to think about. So basically with the current 500 foot setback, you're thinking about this is includes 18 acres. A thousand foot setback um, includes 72 acres. Proposition 112, as is stated, increases the setback to a minimum of 2,500 feet or about 450 surrounding acres. So that's a lot of acreage. So what we're talking about here is that um, the state did a good job within this book that there's links. And I've, I've tweeted this and I've also put it on LinkedIn, but the COGCC has mapped this. So you can take their data. You can see, look, oil and gas permits and all kinds of data with the, with their um, with their mapping system. But you can overlay the maps in terms of what this act. So you can click the 2,500 foot setback and you can see exactly how it would exclude um, or prohibit development from those places. So essentially, basically, once this is signed into, if this if this is passed, it gets enough um, votes to pass, and then it's signed into law by the governor. Then um, all new oil and gas development that's permitted on or after that date is subject to this. Um, and we'll get into the details a little bit more because there's a there's a lot more than just this 2,500 foot setback that's actually limiting development in the state of Colorado, which is why this has got a lot of people um, pretty up in arms. All right, so I think we should back up a little bit and talk a little bit about what's going on in the state of Colorado. So two years ago. Uh, this didn't, it was a, it was initiative. Um, it didn't have enough signatures to actually make it um, on the ballot and into this blue book and, and available for, for the everyday voter to vote on. Um, so it didn't actually make it, but it was discussed. And um, it had an impact, obviously, on, on oil and natural gas producers in Colorado in terms of uh, fear of what could happen. Um, so it, it didn't make it on the ballot, and then things went on as usual. And then basically, this started coming up again. And um, you can see exactly the day that it it, it happened um, in August. You can see that all the all those stocks dropped um, in Colorado. So you have you have pure players in Colorado that are Denver Julesburg based in pure players. So meaning that they're um, they don't have any oil and natural gas um, acreage outside of the state of Colorado. So they would be obviously severely impacted by this. So that's extraction, synergy, um, Bonanza Creek. There are several other operators that are impacted. Anadarko, Noble. Uh, we have a lot of private operators as well. So there's a lot at stake in terms of just these oil and gas companies, but from a different perspective, um, there's a massive amount of state revenue that's taken in from oil and natural gas development state of Colorado. And the reason why that is, is because this production and this um, development in the, the Denver-Julesburg Basin um, has really become very active in the past several years and had has had a resurgence along with most of the other um, major basins in the U.S., right along the, the likes of the Bakken and the Permian. The DJ Basin in Colorado has also surged, and I think a lot of um, folks in Colorado might not be aware of that. Um, so if they aren't and they're listening, it, we're going to lay it out a little bit. So the EIA, the Energy Information Administration, puts Colorado at 443,000 barrels per day. That's quite a bit of production. That's Think about 450,000 barrels per day. To put that in perspective, that's just under what California is producing. Um, we're producing, Colorado is producing more than the state of Alaska. Um, Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma and New Mexico produce slightly above that. I think uh, Oklahoma's in the 500, over 500,000 barrels a day. New Mexico is well above 600,000 barrels per day in capturing the boom uh, with the Permian Basin in that surge. But in perspective from OPEC producing countries, uh, Colorado's in line with a with a smaller OPEC producer like Ecuador or Qatar. Ecuador produces 530,000 barrels a day. Qatar produces over 600,000 barrels per day. And when you look at the forecasts and the capability for for production within the Denver-Julesburg Basin in Colorado um, has a lot of running room to go go up. So we can easily see the state of Colorado producing well over 500,000 barrels a day in the near future. 
Now, when we talk about the actual, I mean, what does this look like in the in the U.S. perspective? So the U.S. is producing, we're, we're just shy of 11 million barrels per day as of the latest figures from EIA from a couple months ago. That means the U.S. is producing 11 million barrels per day. Colorado is producing nearly 450,000 barrels a day in, in conjunction with that. And the U.S. is now the largest oil and gas producer um, in the world um, by far. We've um, ousted with that 11, almost 11 million barrel a day figure. We have ousted both uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia as the top oil producer. And we've been the top natural gas producer for a while now. Okay, so in Colorado, in the DJ Basin, what are the, what does the actual well looks like? So most of the activity that we're talking about, most of the production that's coming um, from the state production is coming from the Denver Julesburg Basin. So that 443,000 barrels a day from EAA, if we take that back and we look at what's just coming from the Denver Julesburg Basin as of July 2018, that's 423,000 barrels per day from the DJ Basin, which is predominantly in Weld County, but you have surrounding counties as well. Um, that's the majority of that production. That that is essentially really it was an old vertical play um, most of the the reservoirs that are being drilled are the Niobrara and the Codel that are quite prolific and you have operators that essentially do um they can do 21 wells on a given location on a pad that are pretty close together actually and they sort of wine racket where they have a well one well in the coat in the Niobrara and then they'll put a a, a different well in, in the Codel so it's sort of it's sort of wine racked whether they're not one on top of the of each other but the more Almost all of that is coming from the Niagara and Codel formations in the Denver Julesburg Basin from horizontal wells, um, and that's 423,000 barrels per day. Now, 410,000 barrels per day is coming from horizontal wells. So wells that have been drilled both vertically and then turned down and drilled horizontally and then hydraulically fractured are producing 410,000 barrels per day. So again, almost all of the production that's coming out of the state of Colorado that is coming from horizontal wells located in the Denver Julesburg Basin predominantly in Weld County. Um, and that's all that production is really coming from about less than 6,000 wells. So while the state of Colorado or while, while the DJ has... Um, um, nearly over 20,000 active wells, we're only talking about um, less than 6,000 wells that are contributing to the majority of this production. So we have over 6,000 active wells um, in terms of horizontal wells. Um, we have a, a good amount of wells that are, are sort of undetermined or termed as vertical wells. We have several thousand of those. Um, and But the majority, again, we're talking about horizontal wells that are hydraulically fractured that are contributing to the bulk of this production. Okay, so those are the figures for, for production in the state of Colorado. Pointing out that most of this, again, is coming from the denver Julesburg Basin, also known as the DJ Basin, predominantly in Weld County. If you're having trouble orienting yourself with where that is, um, if you're new to Denver or if you're you're not in the state of Colorado, I, I really encourage check out my my LinkedIn, um, check out my Twitter. I've tweeted the, the COGCC maps. You can see that really clearly. Um, and I it's, it's nice to see maps and to see that visually so you can understand um, where this is in proximity to Denver and where this is, um, what's going on with the map. Okay, so let's, let's take a step back and let's get into this ballot measure a little bit more. Um, I'm going to read straight through. I'm going to read straight from this book a little bit, and we're also going to look at the um, the fiscal impact statement that the state of the Colorado Legislative Council also put out. So that that fiscal impact statement was actually put out in August of 2018. So that was before this blue book was was mailed out to everyone. But as I mentioned before, so it's stated in this blue book as. Um, it basically is a Proposition 112 proposes amending the Colorado statutes to require that new oil and natural gas development be located at least 2,500 feet from occupied structures, water sources, and areas 
designated as vulnerable. And here's a big issue on in terms of this. This is this vulnerable area. So three, one of the reasons you need to really look at this, the, read this carefully, is because it isn't just 2,500 feet. It is also these areas designated as vulnerable. And I'll get into this in, a, in just a second of what they deem as vulnerable. Okay, so it's stated that this type of requirement is commonly known as a setback. That's how it's stated. Entering a, entering a previously plugged or abandoned oil and natural gas well is held to the same setback requirement. So this would mean that if you're going in and doing something on an older well, um, that would it, it would preclude that as well. So it's not just, it, it technically isn't not just all new development. It's all new development even on, on older stuff. The measure also allows the state or local government to require a setback distance greater than 2,500 feet. If two or more local governments with overlapping boundaries establish different setbacks, Proposition 112 requires that the greater distance be used. So that's firstly showing you that essentially if, if they're deemed higher than 2,500 feet, that could be that could exclude. So actually more than what you're seeing on the map, 2,500 foot um, setback could actually be prohibited. Additionally, the measure it states the measure does not apply to federal land, which includes national forest parks and com- which and all that comprises about 36% of land in Colorado. So it doesn't include that, but that's about 36%. Now, under the measure, this is again stated in the book, under the measure, oil and natural gas development includes the exploration for and the drilling, production, and processing of oil and natural gas. Oil and uh, so processing that includes that's everything so this isn't just for oil and natural gas producers that are drilling completing wells this is for pipelines this is for processing this is for everything so even if we assume that the ballot let's let's presume that the ballot measure gets passed and let's presume that you're still able to drill um, and complete wells that have already been permitted. The problem with that is that the processing and the capabilities, unless they are also permitted, will not come in line with that. And a lot of that planned development isn't going to actually take place. So there's your first, um, my first tidbit in terms of what's the impact on revenue. We'll, we're we're going to get back into the, we're going to get into the state and local revenue and the, the severe impacts in just a minute, but we'll continue with, with how this is stated in the book. So oil and natural gas development also includes hydraulic fracturing, quote, flow lines between oil and natural gas facilities and the treatment of associated waste. So again, this is this is including everything. So those flow lines are really important because you have to have flow lines between your facilities and um, whether or not you're taking it away to a given location and trucking it, or you're taking it to your uh, piping and onwards um, through a whole pipeline system. So this could definitely impact just the, the network of, of pipeline activity um, between wells and also going out, um, going uh, onto a larger pipeline and out of the state. Now, and also the processing of associated waste. It continues to say occupied structures include buildings where people live, work, um, would live or work. Proposition 112 designates certain areas as vulnerable. This includes, so I'm quoting now, including certain recreation areas and water sources, such as public and community drinking water sources, canals, reservoirs, lakes, rivers, and streams. And this is in parentheses, whether continuously flowing or not, comma, and any other designated and any other area designated by the state or local go- government as vulnerable. Now, I am not a lawyer, but I'm pretty sure that is open up that's that's very open for interpretation. I did want to be a lawyer and that didn't happen, uh, which is just fine with me. But uh, if you can basically, essentially this vulnerable areas, and again, the COGCC has mapped this as well. So you can see what areas are currently designated as vulnerable. Now I'm from Northwest Colorado. I'm from Moffat County. And essentially my entire county is, is mapped out as vulnerable. So that's basically... A, 
a pretty wide interpretation, the whole thing is deemed as vulnerable. And in addition to everything that's deemed vulnerable now, more can be deemed vulnerable. So in addition to, as I mentioned before, the setback, the 2,500 foot setback requirement can get bigger, so can the vulnerable areas, which essentially is sort of just coloring the entire map of the state. And it's important to think about this in terms of, well, you can say, well, can't oil and gas development go to other places? Oil and natural gas development is not dictated upon um, what a map looks like. It's dictated upon geology. And you go where um, the geology is prolific, and the geology is prolific in certain areas. And so, no, it, oil and, it, it won't push oil and natural gas developers to go outside of these proximities. It will push oil and natural gas developers to leave the state and to pull all their money with them. All right, so here's where we can start talking about money and the fiscal impact and the revenue. Now, there's a lot of controversy, I think, with regards to what's the actual revenue, what's the actual fiscal impact, what is the actual um, impact on jobs that this this Proposition 112, if passed, could ha could have. And there's a lot of commercials out there. Um, John Elway has given a commercial with with certain figures. Um, lots of different groups have given um, certain figures. The the takeaway I want um, listeners to understand today is that the way it's stated within the book um, and this fiscal impact statement that the Colorado Legislative Council put out is that basically this is too hard to sort of summarize and, and they can't give you a perfect, uh, they can't give you a figure so they, they don't try to, um, that it's very difficult to actually estimate the the, the impact of this. Um, they tell you in the fiscal impact statement that the for the fiscal year 2020 and 2021 and the fiscal year 2021 and 2022, they literally state state revenue, what the impact is, reduction. State expenditures, what is the impact? Reduction. So this fiscal impact statement, I also have a link to this on my LinkedIn um, and Twitter, and I will retweet it and re-put it on LinkedIn so you guys can see it. This um, gets into, uh, this was actually put out in August of 2018, and it gets into um, what the impact for the local government impact actually is, which gives a little bit better figures than actually the blue ballot book does. So the blue ballot book tells you for budget years 2012 through um, 2012 to 2013, that's the budget year, um, to 2016 to 2017, they tell you that the state severance tax collections from oil and natural gas producers range from $4 million to $264.7 million per year. Now, if you look at oil prices then, so they give you this range that state severance taxes are, are that range, right? State severance taxes, essentially, for most oil and gas producers, it's according to revenue, but it's basically 5%. Now, there's all kinds of different ad valorem taxes and credits and all kinds of things, and I'm not expert on that and I'm not going to pretend that I am or get into it. But the point is, is that oil and natural gas, um, just like uh, marijuana, just like many other industry, thriving industries in Colorado, tech and healthcare, provides a lot of money to um, state and local governments or uh, for revenue. Now, um, mapping this out or looking at this, 2012 through 2017, if you want to know West Texas intermediate prices, so your, your oil prices or WTI, what you're getting for oil is going to dictate obviously your oil price and your production volume are going to dictate what you're getting in taxes so in 2012 oil prices were 94 dollars a barrel on average and you were producing in you're producing um 136,000 barrels a day now fast forward that to you know 2016 oil prices had dropped they were 43 dollars a barrel um you're producing 316,000 barrels per day by 2017, oil prices are 50 bucks, and you're looking at 354,000 barrels per day. So today, the picture looks a lot different. So if we were to look at what that the state, um, the severance tax collections would be a lot higher for the year um, for 2018 because of we're producing a lot more oil, as I mentioned to you, 443,000 barrels per day right now, um, and obviously oil prices a lot higher. We're around 70 dollars a barrel right now. So. 
In addition to just severance taxes, you also have royalty and lease payments that this blue book tells you about. Um, they just mentioned it. You Operators pay royalty and lease payments. And oil and gas producers also pay income taxes, sales taxes, and local property taxes. And all this together adds up to quite a bit. So this fiscal impact statement, um, which is, this is really important to read. It tells you what the local, it, it talks about state and local revenue from oil and natural gas. And it says that... Um, it talks about this the state revenue, um, and then it gets and it says that no immediate impact on state revenue is anticipated. However, because the measure reduces the surface land available for development of new oil and natural gas production, future state revenue from these sources will be reduced. I have a bone to pick with this statement. I have a, a really big bone to pick with this. And this is something I talked about um, at, at at the Colorado Oil and Gas. Um, COGA had, a, had an energy conference and I spoke at it and there was a lot of Q&A. Um, this was at the end of August. There was a lot of Q&A on what the impact of this could be. Now, if if you know anything about biz, the business climate or economics, there's there's basic things, fundamental pillars that, that you have to have to have a stable business climate. And that is stability and predictability. And what this ballot measure does is it introduces instability. Um, and this this statement that you are not going to have an impact on state revenue, an immediate impact on state revenue, is absolutely ridiculous. What happens in uh, when you have a, think about financial crises, um, what they call contagion and, and fear of risk and how this, this it spreads really quickly. In 1998, there was a financial crisis started in Thailand um, and it wound up all, it became the East Asian crisis and it even hit, um, oil prices dropped to $8 a barrel and it even hit Russia. Um, and that was because actually uh bill clinton didn't take a didn't actually bail out thailand at the time because it didn't seem like it was a problem this is how what things happen you things fall apart um and if a ballot measure like this is passed um People think that these the the five thousand etc permits that are actually in place right now that that all the oil and gas producers are going to drill them and business will go on as usual for the next two years and that just isn't true because so many financial providers so much money is going to pull out of the state immediately because they're going to want to invest elsewhere they can't invest in the in Colorado for the long term so why would they take those two years to invest in it so you're going to see an immediate impact in oil and natural gas activity from operators that one the stocks are going to tank so we saw an impact on on producers in Colorado um, for, for all these major oil and gas producers in Colorado that are publicly traded. We've seen an immediate impact on their stock price. We've continued to see that impact on their stock price. Um, part of that is because of, of some of the, the natural gas uh, constraints that we've seen. But a lot of it is because there's some of this priced in that this if this ballot measure passes, that these stocks will, will, will collapse further. Now, separate from that, what this... Um, what this uh, in this document, this fiscal impact state document does say, which is really important, and again, I'll put this out on LinkedIn Twitter so people can see it, but it does have this paragraph for local government impact. And unfortunately, I don't see this in that blue ballot book, and it should be in there. The local government impact, it says, the measure will reduce property tax collections at the local level. For fiscal year 2016-2017, and again, keep in mind, 2016 oil prices were much lower. As I stated, 2016 oil prices averaged 43.29 for 2017, the average 50 bucks. Your your um for fiscal year 2016-2017, 496.7 million, so nearly 500 million, was collected locally from property taxes from oil and gas development, representing 82.5% of all tax revenue. That's a significant amount of tax revenue, folks. And when oil prices are high, that's obviously a lot more. So this was in a in a in a lower price environment. Um, it says in heavily populated counties and um 
In heavily populated counties and counties with geographically vulnerable areas, the measure is anticipated to reduce the surface land available for future oil and gas exploration and development, therefore reducing property taxes collected from local governments in those areas. The measure is also expected to decrease the amount of severance tax revenue that state government collects and shares with local governments most directly impacted by oil and natural gas development. The measure's impact on local revenue and expenditures will depend on the overall impact on state severance tax and the assessed value of oil and natural gas development in each taxing jurisdiction as a result of future prohibitions on new development. As such, the change in local revenue and expenditures cannot be estimated. So they say it can't be estimated, but if you look at those figures above, that's a lot. And the point I'm making here is that the impact will be immediate. So um, stock prices will drop. People will pull out dollars immediately. And yeah, you might have some people that come. You're going to see some continued development. But the point is, is that Colorado is no will no longer be deemed a friendly state for oil and natural gas development. And it doesn't even have to be friendly. It just has to be a state in which you can't actually work in. Because the way the 2,500-foot setback, uh, the Proposition 112 is stated, is it isn't just 2,500 feet. It can be expanded past there. It also includes all these vulnerable areas. So there, there isn't much that you can actually work with. And again, in, in oil and natural gas, we're talking about geology. We're not talking about, um, we're focusing on the geology and where we have to go, what the rocks are telling us in terms of production, not where um, where state and local governments are telling you that, that you have to be. Okay, so all this being said, there are definitely a lot of reasons why you have to have a healthy setback, right, from from homes um, and from facilities and everything. And so as it's stated, as we mentioned, you can look in the book, it's, it's 500 feet from a, a home or occupied building and 1,000 a, a feet from high occupancy buildings. Now, the... The book tells you, um, if you if you get to page 64, you can read through the arguments for and the arguments against. And the arguments against are um, that I'll explain that Proposition 112 eliminates um, new oil and gas activity on non-federal land in Colorado. So we basically, we've talked about within this podcast sort of those arguments against of, of state revenue. Now, the arguments for, as stated, and this is on page 63, is oil and natural gas operations may adversely impact public health safety and environment. Some people living near these locations have reported negative health effects such as CDPHE, including sinus and respiratory conditions, as well as other symptoms such as headaches and nausea. Such development increases noise, traffic, dust, light, and odors. Proposition 112 requires that new oil and natural gas development be located farther away from homes, schools, and businesses, and other occupied buildings, thereby reducing nuisance impacts and potential exposure to air pollutants. Proposition 112 also establishes a required setbacks from water sources and recreation areas to help protect these sources. Um, the statement, too, on this is, over the past several years, Colorado's northern front range has been um, has seen both substantial urban development and increased oil and natural gas activity. Proposition 112 provides property owners with greater certainty about lo the location of new oil and gas development in their communities. Keeping oil and nat natural gas development farther away from occupied structure reduces resident exposure to industrial activity and the potential hazards related to such activity. It may also improve the quality of life for nearby residents. Some people are reluctant to purchase or rent a home or visit a, um, or visit a business or recreation area located near oil and natural gas development. Okay, so these are valid points. The trouble with those statements is that it it doesn't actually create that. It, it actually, as we're talking about, is effectively banning all this oil and gas development. And if that's what you're voting for to ban it, that's what you're voting for. But the, the point of this is, is that um, there are impacts to having oil and natural gas 
close to homes is having an impact. And these are valid concerns in that, look, the state of Colorado um, in terms of in and surrounding areas around Denver and Weld County and others have grown right along with the rise of oil and natural gas development. And in these particular areas where the geology is good, there happens to be population density as well. Um, so there have been issues of of, of oiling natural gas producers trying to produce in, in proximity to populated areas. Um, and they have worked with those communities and those those communities have tried to work with them. Um, but you still, there's not a perfect situation. Now, what happened, um, what happened last year with the Anadarka well, and I will mention it, we won't get into the deep, deep de- details, um, but the Anadarka well, that was a, that was a produced well. It was a, the Firestone explosion. Two people ended up dying in the basement um, of that home and that, that home exploded. That was a, a, that was a well from 1993 that was a vertical well. So it wasn't a newer um, horizontal well that was hydraulically fractured. It was a vertical well and there was a, a, a home, a building obviously from a 1993 and there was a housing development that it is closely positioned around this well. Um, and that well was actually, um, that well was actually purchased, I believe, from a, another operator and a darker purchased it at some point. Um, so I, I don't think they actually drilled it, but it was well from 1993. It was actually, um, it was actually shut in because oil prices were low in the downturn and it was turned back on in January of 2017. So the well was turned on. And then in April of 2017 is, is, when the actual explosion took place um, and the home actually blew up. Now, that was from a, a cut pipe that wasn't plugged or wasn't capped properly. Essentially, um, I, don't, I don't think all the details have actually been revealed on this, but how the Denver Post and others have explained it is essentially that, that cut pipe is, um, there was a pipe that was cut, facilities were moved, and that wasn't capped. Um, or you could also interpret that as there was a valve that was turned on to a cut pipe um, that wasn't checked, and then that essentially gas um, leaked under in, into the ground. And basically, um, I think, I believe the, the studies have come up that it came up through the sump pump um, and through the French drain. So that is very sad um, and awful and is not excusable by any any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I, I want to point out that that, is, that was an older vertical well. It wasn't a newly hyd- hydraulically fractured well and it does point to the controversy of this whole thing of having a uh, local having close proximity to oil and natural gas development um, or having homes that are closely located to previous oil and natural gas development so this wouldn't um this measure proposition 112 will impact future development but it's not going to solve the problem of of housing development being butted up next to um existing oil and natural gas wells right now so that's just something to think about when you're when you're thinking about this measure Okay, so lastly, I would just like to say, I want to say thank you all for listening to this podcast. I understand that this is a a controversial measure. I understand that, um, you know, the Firestone thing is very controversial, and I'm not trying to downplay any of that. I think that um, the reality, what I want to explain within this podcast and pose is that Proposition 112 is an effective ban on oil and gas development in the state. And regardless of what your opinion is on on, on oil and gas development, it does have very, very severe ramification in terms of um, the business climate, the economic climate, and the revenue that will be coming into into the state and will have a negative negative economic impact on the state of Colorado. So it's something I think that people have to be aware of. And and even if this is something you're you're not for the oil and gas development, it's something you should consider in terms of um, is there a better way forward that we can we can think about working with this and finding those finding those solutions. So I want to thank you again. I appreciate your time and I look forward to forward to speaking with you all very soon.